It says this, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. One translation uses the word schemes or strategies of the devil. This is a thinking man's faith. Christianity is, is, is not a crutch for people who have nothing left to stand on. Christianity is not for stupid people or people who can't make sense of things or got bad grades in school. I mean, it's for them, but because I'm saved. What I'm trying to say to you is sometimes I think we can, we can act like Christianity is just for ignorant people. It's not a thinking man's faith or a thinking woman's faith. But this is actually the highest level of thinking there is in the earth. So he says, the enemy has a strategy and I don't want you to be ignorant concerning his strategies. I don't want you to just go to church and sing songs and listen to messages, but I want you to be aware that the devil has a strategy to destroy your life. And whether you realize it or not, I came to tell somebody and to maybe even remind others that you are in a spiritual battle for your life right now, for the purpose of God in your life, for your marriage, for your children, for your job, for your finances, for your health, for your mind. You are in a spiritual fight and the enemy, whether you are fighting or not, I guarantee you he's fighting you. And I just wanted to make some people aware tonight and just remind some others that you are in a spiritual battle. Verse 12 says this, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the devil. And having done all to stand, verse 14 says, stand therefore. What do I do when I feel like I'm at the end of my standing? Keep standing. What do I do when I feel like I can't stand anymore? Having done all to stand, keep standing. That's what he says. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I mean, this sounds like Christianity following Jesus is a serious thing. He says, and for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He's reminding these Christians at Ephesus that, that it's, it's not enough for me to just tell you to pray 
you've got to know that someone is opposing your prayer because you will try to pray and you will think that you are bad at praying when it's not that you are bad at praying you just have an enemy who is warring against you in your prayer it's not that you're bad at reading the bible you just have an enemy who is fighting against you in your bible reading see there there are people in the room today who are usually of one or two extremes one extreme is this the devil isn't real so he has no real impact on my life the stories in the bible about the devil those are those are those are those are used to explain some sort of force there's not an actual satan and then there's another group of people who are like yeah the devil is real but he doesn't really affect my life why would he worry about me he's he's off fighting somewhere on the mission field somebody in a third world country but i got news for you tonight the devil is real he is a real adversary and he wants to destroy you me yeah you because you are a part of the plan of god and the earth and there are people that will never hear the gospel until they hear it through you. You're like, man, this is the South. Everybody goes to church. Not anymore. This is the South. Everybody knows Jesus. Not anymore. This is the South. Everybody knows God. No, not anymore. We are growing up in a culture that is moving further and further away from God, from the church, from prayer, from the Bible. We live in a culture who even if you believe in the Bible, you don't believe that it's absolute. It's just kind of hit and miss. And it's, it's kind of a buffet of things that if you like, you can kind of pick it out and use it for your life. And Jesus is a good teacher, but I'm not sure he's the son of God. I'm not sure he physically resurrected. Man, the Bible is the true word of God. Jesus was born of an actual virgin. He is the son of God, God in flesh. He physically rose from the dead. Come on, man. I believe that. And so because of that, I need to make sure that I'm aware of what is happening around me, the schemes of the enemy. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Give us something clear over these next few minutes. Jesus name we pray and everybody said amen amen Ephesians 6 reminds us that we are in a war against an aggressive adversary I told you this I said you might not be fighting him but he is definitely fighting you everything isn't the devil but some things are I, I, I have never in my life seen a ghost seen a spirit now, I'm not saying those things don't happen. I have seen people uh, possessed. I have seen people act out like you saw in Scripture where the devil would possess someone and they would act out in a certain way and they would be violent and they would be aggressive and they would make strange noises like that boy in Mark chapter 9 who the Bible says the enemy got a hold of his tongue and he would make him shake and he would, make him, he, he would make him act like an animal and he would throw himself into the fire. I've seen that type of activity, but I've never seen an actual spirit. And I, I grew up in church, so I've been in church at night. You know, church can be one of the scariest places in the world when you're all by yourself. It's weird how that works. 
And, uh, you know, I've been with people who have said, man, I've seen that and I've seen this and I don't discount any of that. I, I believe in all of those things. And so I'm just telling from my experience, I've, I've never seen those things. But just because I can't see it doesn't make it not real. I, I can't see the flu, but I get it. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, I, I just I, I want you to be aware that there is a realm that is not seen by the natural eye, but is actually more real than what we see with our natural eye. The Bible teaches us that by faith, the worlds were framed by the word of God. So in other words, God took nothing and he made something. God spoke a word and everything you see now was created by an invisible word. So this visible realm was created by an invisible realm. And the Bible teaches us that when we war, we are not actually waging war against flesh and blood. That's why it's just silly of you to get caught up arguing with people on social media because they're not your enemy anyway. They're not your problem. What you're really wrestling is the spirit behind what they are saying. Ah, and so, so I want to help you tonight. This is, what, this is what Jesus said about the devil himself. Jesus says this. He was talking to a group of people in John 8. And in verse 44, they were arguing with Jesus. And Jesus says this to him. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. Not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Wow, isn't it an amazing thing that we live in a day just like Jesus was talking about here in John chapter 8 verse 44. In a day where people act like the truth is a lie and a lie is the truth. The Bible says in the last days that men will be all types of things. But one of the things that it says that we'll do in the last days is we will act like good things are bad things and bad things are good things. This is the plan of the devil is to distort your view of what the truth is. It's to make you believe that what God says is not true and whatever we come up with and whatever we feel and whatever we want to be and whatever we want to do is the ultimate truth. But I got to tell you, there's a higher truth than any, any, anything men want to put the stamp of truth on. And it is the declared word of God. The flower fades and the grass withers, but the word of God will last forever. And I'm not going to build my life on something that somebody has come up with in the last 30 years and tried to redefine. I'm going to build my life on something that's been settled in God's word for thousands of years. As a matter of fact, before it was ever written in a book, it was already settled. So that's why when men die and their opinions die, God's word remains. Oh, I need to help you because I've, I've, been try, I've been reminding myself that some of the stuff that I'm dealing with in my life are not, <laughs> they're not my stupidity. 
They, they are not my lack of effort. They are not my lack of giftedness. Um, they are actual, real opposition from the devil. And whenever I misunderstand my opposition, whenever I ignore my opposition, or even if I mislabel my opposition, I can't defeat it. That's why 1 Peter 5 and 8 says this, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So the issue very often is not an absence of will. It's not a lack of understanding. It's not a lack of knowledge. It is a lack of... (laughs) It's a lack of awareness of what is happening in the spirit. And this is important for you as a believer because you are going to run into so many things that are so frustrating and you are going to be like, I've been doing everything the Bible tells me to do and it seems like God isn't doing what God said he would do. Anybody in the room know what I'm talking about? You've been trying to do the stuff the Bible says to do even when it comes to stuff like giving or being faithful, and it seems like all of the things that are supposed to happen, give, and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It seems like you, you never win the lottery. <laughs> you never get checks in the mail. Your, your, the, your balance on your bank account keeps saying negative. You, you never go to log into your, your bills, and they're just magically paid And you're wondering, God, I'm doing all of this stuff that you've told me to do. I'm obeying you and I'm trusting you. And none of the things you said you would do are happening. I I need you to understand the reason that happens is not because you're doing it wrong. Very often you're doing it right. It's because you have an enemy who opposes the word of God. As a matter of fact, the enemy opposes your prayer. There's a story in Daniel chapter 10. Where Daniel prays and he asks God for help. And the Bible says that for 21 days he fasted and he prayed and nothing was changing. And then all of a sudden the angel of the Lord encounters Daniel. And the Bible says that the angel says to Daniel, he said, man, when you prayed, God heard you. That's good news for somebody tonight. I I need you to understand that when you pray, God hears you. Oh, you should be giving God some praise right now. Because it, it, it means that when I cry out to God, he hears me the moment I cry. God doesn't say, I'll get to you in a couple weeks. I, I'm going to put your prayer on the shelf. No, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hear you, but I'm going to kind of put that in the filing cabinet for now. God hears every single prayer. And when we pray, watch what happens. The answer is immediately dispatched. He sends it immediately. God doesn't need time to make up his mind. God doesn't negotiate with the angels. He doesn't ask men what they think. When you pray, God bless me, he doesn't go to your boss and say, has he been really good this week? When you you ask God to do a miracle for you, he doesn't come down and survey your friends and say, does he deserve a miracle? No, when you ask, God sends an answer. But listen what the angel said. The angel said, I've been on hold wrestling with the prince of Persia for 21 days. God heard you. I came with the answer. But I've been wrestling 
opposition for 21 days. And the angel says it like this. He says, and this opposition was so fierce. He said, I had to call on the chief prince of angels. I had to call Michael. And Michael came and Michael aided me. And because Michael helped me, that's why I'm here talking to you today. Even angels need friends. <laughs> Even angels need assistance. And some of y'all are losing right now because you think you can do this all by yourself. And if an angel had to cry out for help, if an angel needed assistance, how much more do you think you and I need assistance? And the Bible says his name was Michael. Well, I know a name that's better than Michael. We have a name that's the name of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the angel said, hey, I was, I was on my way. I got held up by the prince of Persia. And when he says the prince of Persia, he's not talking about a physical person. He's talking about a spiritual power. Remember Ephesians 6 says, we, we wrestle against principalities and powers. Principalities. Principalities are, are an interesting thing. Principalities and powers. And the Bible goes on to explain it. Rulers. These are rulers of territory. These are... The Bible says about the devil, it says that the God of this world. So there, <laughs> there are some spaces and places that God in his sovereign will has allowed the enemy to operate and he operates there until we show up and we pull him down. <laughs> the Bible says in Mark 12, 29, it says this, it says, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. In other words, what Jesus is trying to say to me and you is when you go into a place, there is a spiritual battle taking place. And the other employees might not be able to see it and understand it, but you see it and understand it. And where the devil has reigned in that area, in that space, in that arena, I have called you to so that you can bring awareness to a strong man that needs to be bound up so that we can take back everything the devil stole in that arena. That's why, that's why God loves when a church comes into a city. That's why I'm not in any competition with any of these pastors around our region. Because every church in this city, we need to be successful. We need it to be big. We need it to grow. We need it to be powerful. I need these pastors to be effective because there are principalities and powers in the air of this region that are trying to keep people blinded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And anytime a church walks into a city, one of our responsibilities is to bind up the strong man so that we can go into his house and take everything in his house. Johnson City belongs to Jesus. 
Bristol belongs to Jesus. Elizabethan belongs to Jesus. All the way up in Gap Creek and Rome Mountain, it belongs to Jesus. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He's just waiting on some people to step on that ground to take authority and pull down the strong man. That's why Jesus says, whatever you bind on earth, it's bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, it's loosed in heaven. I need somebody who's going to bind the devil. We used to talk about stuff like this when I was growing up. Bind the devil. Resist the devil. We would, we would get up and we would pray before church and we would tell the devil, you have no place here. This is the house of God. You have no authority here. This is the temple of the most high God. I, and my grandma would say it like this. We plead the blood. That's how my grandma would say it. Why? Because Ephesians says you put on the armor of God. God said, I'll supply it. You got to put it on. I'll give you the weapons, but you've got to use them. But here's our issue. We cannot defeat an enemy we are entertained by. And the devil has realized that he doesn't have to possess us to own us. He just has to entertain us. <laughs> and some of us are so distracted. And we're like, well, I'm not possessed by the devil. Ah, oh, he owns you. Because you're entertained by everything he's sending your way. Oh, come on, man. No wonder we don't have power over the devil. We play with the devil's you can't conquer an enemy you're entertained by principalities and powers they have authority over geographical regions people groups and the enemy wants to control bloodlines there's a word that people used to say when I was, when I was growing up. It, it was a lot more familiar in church. They would say generational curses. And I don't like that term because I don't see those two words back to back in Scripture. Generational and curse. It's not in the, you can't find generational curses in the Bible. It's not. But I understand what they're trying to say because here's what sin does. Sin continues to visit itself upon generation. After generation. Have you ever looked at your family and thought, man, that seems really to be a consistent theme in my family? That's because the enemy, that's how he works. He, he infiltrates a life and he establishes himself in the bloodline. And that's why you can say, I'll never treat my kids like my daddy treated me. And then you turn out and you treat your kids the exact same way. I, my parents, I'll never be broken. You end up, I'll never struggle with it. I'll never be addicted. But if you look at your family history and the late, as you look back, you're like, my father, my grandfather, my great grandfather. What's happening? It's generational. It's genetic. 
And when you have a problem with the blood, the answer has to come from the blood. And nobody, nobody talks about the blood anymore. We got too clean in church. It's like we don't want to offend people talking about the blood of Jesus. That, that blood that's still running and flowing today that cleanses all of my sin and changes my life and redeems my story. And see what happens when you give your life to Jesus is you stop the devil from having a principality and a power in your bloodline. And you look at the devil and then you say, I know that happened with my daddy and my grandpa, but guess what? I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I've got brand new DNA. So the same strategy you used on my daddy ain't gonna work with me because I'm not like my daddy was. Come on, somebody in the room has to give God some praise that it, that it might not have started with you, but it's gonna end with you. Ah, uh, it might have been handed down to you, but it doesn't have to be passed on to the next generation by you. Come on, somebody needs to give God some praise that we're taking authority over our bloodline back. You can't have me. You can't have my kids. As for me and my house, we will. We will serve the Lord. I just came to put the devil on notice. I know your plan, but I, I, I serve a God who told me your plan and he gave me a strategy. He, he gave me a while. <laughs> he, he gave me an idea. He, he gave me a way. See, where there was no way, he made a way. See, where it looked like it was impossible, he said all things are possible to him that believes. It, it looked like it was going to continue, but not today, devil. Not today, Satan. Not in me. Not in my wife. Not in my kids. Not in this church. Not in this city. See, we shouldn't just come and say, you know, man, we had good church tonight. That was that was enough. No, 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 no. That should not be enough. Every time we get together, there should be another piece of territory taken because God takes up residence in some other piece of territory called you and me and your friends and and, and your co-workers. And, and somebody's life should get changed so radically every time we gather that when they walk into that place of business, that place that didn't belong to God before, now it all of a sudden does because people are starting to realize who they are in Christ. And they realize that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That I don't have to be afraid of the devil. I don't have to be afraid of church at night. Jesus said to Eve, he said, you are going to bruise his head. You're going to crush him under your feet. And I, I heard one of my friends say years ago, he said, he said, too many of y'all are talking to the devil face to face. He said, if you really want to talk to the devil, he said, put a, put a note on the bottom of your shoe. Because <laughs> he is under your feet. He is defeated by the blood of Jesus. And if you will apply what Jesus has supplied, you'll see victory. In Exodus chapter 12, that's what they did. They took that blood and they put it over the doorposts of their homes. And that angel of death came through that night. And it was, its, its intention was to take out the firstborn 
of everybody. Everybody was at risk unless you had the blood on the doorpost of your house. And the angel would look at the blood and say, they've been bought by the lamb. And I just came to tell somebody tonight, you don't have to be afraid because that blood is over the doorpost of your life. You don't have to be afraid. I'm a Christian. Am I possessed? You can't be possessed. Light and darkness cannot dwell together in the same place. If you gave your life to Jesus, you ain't got a devil on the inside of you. Get out of here with that mess. Can't be redeemed by the blood of the lamb, transformed and changed, bought by Jesus, justified, being transformed and be possessed. Get out of here. But doesn't mean you're not in a fight. Doesn't mean he won't oppress. Doesn't mean he won't mess with your mindset. That's why Romans 12 is so important. Paul writes the book of Romans to Gentile believers. These are saved people. And he tells them in Romans 12, he says, hey, listen. Y'all are acting like the world. You're saved, but you're conforming to the ways of the world. He said, I need you to stop conforming and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The devil rarely, if ever, shows up with horns and a pitchfork. He shows up as an influence. He shows up as a bad relationship. He shows up as a deceitful opportunity. The Bible says he masquerades as an angel of light. When he shows up, he shows up looking like everything your flesh ever wanted. Be really easy to discern if the devil showed up looking like the devil. But the devil shows up looking like the thing you desire. So the angel calls... Michael and Michael comes. So this is not just assistance. This is agreement. They come into agreement. Remember I told you some of you are losing because you think you can fight this by yourself. That repetitive issue that keeps surfacing in your life. It's not there because you don't have the willpower to overcome it. Because you won't be able to overcome it with willpower. You've been trying for a long time. You've been trying to conquer that addiction in your own strength a long, long time. And now you're at the place where it's so strong, now you've got to hide it. Because it's like if people knew who I really was, if people knew what I was really thinking, if people knew what I was really struggling with, if people knew... That's why James says, hey, get over yourself. And when you sin, when you got issues in your life that you can't conquer, he said, confess your sin to one another. And he says, and you will be healed. Notice he doesn't say forgiven. I don't confess my sin to my friends so that I'll be forgiven. I confess my sin to others so that somebody comes into agreement with me. So that Michael shows up on the scene. When I don't have the strength to beat the prince of Persia all by myself, I need Michael to come to my aid. I need a friend to show up. I need somebody to come in. When I don't have the faith to get myself out, I need somebody who's got more authority. He said, I called for the chief 
of princes. I didn't call for any regular angel. I called for an archangel. I called for Michael. I called for somebody with some authority. I called for somebody who's got more power than the prince of Persia. And I need somebody in the room to understand that you keep going sometimes to the wrong people to help you. And so no wonder you keep struggling with because they can't struggle with what you struggle with and get you out of it. You need somebody who's got victory to help you get out. That's why the that's why when you're going through when you're going through marriage problems, stop talking to Sally for marriages at work. I love Sally and Jesus loves Sally, but for marriage, Sally ain't got no advice for you. For marriage, Sally been married four times. And if you don't want to be for marriage, Sally, you better go talk to one marriage, Susie, and see how Susie and Bobby have made it for 55 years. Goodness. But some people just settle, right? We settle. We settle in. We settle for just being saved. I'm going to heaven, Robbie. I've been justified. My sins are forgiven. And I'm just going to, 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 this is just, this is just my issue, man. Doesn't have to be that way. There's a process that God takes you through called sanctification where you are transformed. Romans 8 says, those he foreknew, he did also predestine to be conformed into the image of his son. The design of God is that the closer and the longer you walk with Jesus, the more you look like him and the less you look like who you used to be. Put it on. God supplies, we apply. Matthew 18, 19, and 20 says this. Again, truly, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where there are two or three gathered in my name, there I am with them. Wow. Ecclesiastes 4 and 12 says this, says, Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Y'all stand with me tonight. I want to ask this. I just want to take about five minutes or so here. But I also don't want to rush through this. So if it takes 10 or 30, it's fine. I want to ask if there's, this is going to take some boldness on your part. But I want to ask if you are in this room tonight and you are in a fight that is overwhelming you or a fight that seems perpetual or you are facing unusual opposition like you're in your heart and in your mind you're like this shouldn't be this hard if that's you I want you to come up here and stand tonight I just want you to come stand with me tonight I'm facing unusual opposition. You can come fill in this middle section too, please. This thing I'm going through, man, it should not be this hard. I have tried. Robbie, I've, I've tried. But I cannot 
keep doing this by myself. Cannot. This is what I want you to do. If you're comfortable with this, you don't have to. But if you're in this altar tonight, can you just put your hand on the shoulder? And if you don't want people putting their hand on your shoulder, you just tell them. Leave me alone. I'm good. But if you're all right with that, let's... Because the Bible says where there are two or three gathered and they, they touch. They agree. We touch because we're just saying we agree. You're fighting by yourself. You feel like you're fighting by yourself. You feel like you lose it. You feel like you're losing. She's feeling overwhelmed. You're feeling overwhelmed. Now what we got is we've got all of y'all are praying for each other. And now what we got is some folks in the seats who apparently ain't got no problems. So, so here's what I need the folks in the seat to do because you don't, have, you don't need any strength right now. Let me ask you can, you, can you give your strength to someone else tonight? You, you, you've got victory. Can you, can, you, can, you, can you let somebody else borrow your victory tonight? So tonight, I just want everybody in the room to begin to pray, not for what you need, because the Bible said this even about Job. It said that Job's affliction turned when he began to intercede for his friends. And this is, a, this is, this is the family of God. We are friends. You are my brother and sister in Christ. And sometimes I need you. Sometimes you need me. But I'm telling you all the time, we need each other. And even though the theme for this night is we are in this together, some of us feel like that that statement could be further from what I feel right now. But we're going to change that in the room and in the atmosphere of your life right now. You felt alone. You felt isolated. You felt afraid. You felt like you were rejected. But tonight, in the name of Jesus, I need every Holy Ghost-filled believer, anybody in the room who speaks in tongues, anybody in the room who feels like you got any power in your prayer life, I need you to stretch forth your hands right now, and we are going to send the word. And the Bible says that his word will not return to him void, but will it will accomplish the thing that it is sent to do. And so right now, for every person who feels like they are in a fight of their life, who feels overwhelmed who feels like there's no victory they can't see any light at the end of this thing they can't see any reason why they 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 have no perspective they they have no hope maybe they have no faith god we give them our faith tonight let us be those friends who carried their friend to the top of that house and tore the roof off of that house and dropped their friend down to jesus and we declare tonight that whatever is on your life we bind it in the name of Jesus. Whatever is on your life that needs to be loosed, we loose it in the name of Jesus. The enemy has no authority. He has no power. God heard your prayer. He has already sent his answer. 
Now we're just going to come together and we're going to agree. And the Prince of Persia that's been, that's been holding things up in your life, we cast him down in the name of Jesus. Those high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, we, we cast them down in the name of Jesus. We break every stronghold. We break every chain by the power of God. And we thank you, God. We thank you tonight that there is victory in Jesus. Every plan that the enemy has. There is victory. Every outcome that he has desired for our lives. There is victory. Jesus said to Peter, he says that Satan has desired to sift you. He wanted to end you. But Jesus says, I've been praying for you. Tonight, you need to remind yourself that you have an intercessor. You have one whose name is Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, who is even now seated at the right hand of the Father, and he forever lives to make intercession for you. So not only do you have a room of friends that are praying for you, you got to know that your, your Savior is pleading your case right now in heaven. He's talking to God about the things that you're worried about. He's talking to God about the things that are overwhelming your heart and making you stay up at night. I rebuke the enemy who would, who would cause a lack of sleep on the people of God. Rest is your portion in Jesus' name. Come on, now I just challenge you to throw your hands up in the air and say, God, I receive everything that you're trying to drop into my life tonight. I receive it in the name of Jesus. And I'm leaving this place with a different mindset. I'm leaving this place declaring victory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yeah.
Father, we thank you. You have supplied all that we need. Help us, remind us to put it on. In Jesus' name. I'm not helpless, I'm not hopeless, I'm not defenseless. weapon that's formed against me will prosper no tongue that rises up against me will succeed he will condemn it he destroys the work of the enemy the accusations of the enemy the lies that I repeat to myself that I'm not good enough that I don't deserve it that I'll never be good enough those are all lies and deceptions from the enemy God loves me, God is for me, God is with me. He will never leave me and he will see me through this current battle that I am in, in the name of Jesus. Come on and everybody put your hands together and just bless him. Thank you, God. We bless you, God. We bless you, God. We bless you, God. Come on, I'm listening for a for a sound I haven't heard it yet I'm listening for a, a praise I haven't heard yet I'm 